Hello, you're listening to The Bookworm. My name is Ed Fortune and I'm here with... Nympha Harris. Uh, the Bookworm is brought to you by Fab Radio International and Starburst Magazine and we're all about the genre books. Coming up on the show today, we have all sorts of bits and pieces. If you have suggestions and you're listening to us live, of course get in touch with us via social media and participate. You can tweet us, you can Facebook us, we're available on Radio Bookworm. But coming up next, the news. Fooled you, it isn't the news at all. Sadly, we've had some technical issues. So, unfortunately, instead of having the news, I'm going to go straight into my review of Destiny Quest. The Eye of Winter's Fury! This is a re-record of the original live review that went on the show. Uh, as I said, we've had some technical problems, so you will miss out, I'm afraid, on the lovely input from both Ninfa and producer Al, but that's one of the reasons why you should be listening live. Uh, and as always, you should also subscribe to our iTunes and comment. So, let's get on with the... Um, actual review. Destiny Quest Eye of Winter's Fury is the third of Michael J. Ward's Destiny Quest books. They're adventure game books. So, essentially you turn to page 400, or in this case, not page 400, to get to the end of the adventure, and you get to choose your path as you go across. Unlike many of the other adventure game books you might be familiar with, Destiny Quest kind of is a kind of fusion between fighting fantasy in that traditional you know slay the monster page 400 style thing and a more playstation style feel he also concentrates more on the narrative and the novel you are the hero yes but your character is set there's not much room for imagination here you are prince aaron you have a sword that you can't really use you're seen as this kind of heir to the throne you've got these specific powers Therefore, you know, if you want to immerse yourself, you're immersing yourself in Prince Aaron's story. That's normally how novels work, but it is unusual for an adventure game book because adventure game books, of course, the game element allows you to have a little bit more leeway in the sort of thing that you want to be doing there. So, what's it about? Well, it's about 700 pages long, which is what you get with adventure game books. Normally they're small novellas, this is a proper novel sized story. and the best way to describe it is like novellas. It's a sh- sort of short story collection, each one chopped up into adventures. To clarify that further, you start with a test adventure that then ends. Then you have multiple quests that you can pick. There's a map at the back and there's a map at the front as well. And th- there's page numbers in the map itself. And you can choose your next quest, your next mission. And you'll do that to pick up more treasure and more adventure. The narrative, the, the way that Ward actually writes the story, is engaging. And as I say, these feel these, each of these quests feel like he's telling you a short story. Unlike, say, Warlock and Firetop Mountain, which is essentially one novella with lots and lots of endings that aren't good for you, Destiny Quest is more a proper series of short stories and novellas and book-style endings and book-style experiences that have been woven into an interactive experience. It's very skillful and it's it's closer to uh, the sort of thing that Kim Newman has done in the past rather than being closer to the sort of thing that Ian Livingston has done. Or to put it slightly more harshly, it's actually better written than an awful lot of the fighting fantasy books, though there are some fantastically well-written fighting, fighting fantasy books out there. They are, I mean, they are a quite a few flaws of this book and there's quite a few flaws with Destiny Quest in total 
the combat is too complicated and I've got to admit most of the people that I've talked to have just skipped it they, they skip the combat, they look at the monsters they look at the boss fights they have a lot of fun with it but because the dice, it's dice mechanics you have to roll dice to do things it just feels, feels just a little bit too involved and a little bit too much like effort if you're reading it on the train you kind of, you know, you need to either set aside time so you can roll dice, and there's a lot of dice rolling. This is not a simple one roll, you roll, he rolls, you roll, he rolls system. It's more complicated than that. Storytelling wise, it's a cracking story, as I was saying. It's a your standard, you know, prince isn't really sure of his abilities or his confidence, goes on to change the world. I'll not say rule the world, but I'll say definitely change the world. And it's a good kind of wizardy high fantasy story. One of the problems I do have with this is that the bad guys are called the Wiccans. The Wiccans, you know, the Wiccans are coming, the Wiccans are coming, and yes, that feels silly. There's no way past that. When you say me, you say to me, Wiccan, I will immediately say, think, oh, I'll be a nice person who wants to give me an oat cake and maybe a hug and maybe talk to me about the goddess. I don't think of evil, malevolent monsters. It's like having a whole series of adventure game books where you know the WI are the villains. It just doesn't quite work for me. The word Wiccan is synonymous with a kind of environmentally friendly, rather fluffy kind of movement. I think he means evil wizards, and I think he means evil witches, and those words are used to describe horrible wizardy monsters. But Wiccan just seems silly, I'm afraid. And I know Wiccan is another word for witch. But the associ- you know, the association, the free association with the word Wiccan and the free association with the word witch is very different. And it, it just takes me out. Every time I encounter the evil Wiccans, I just think, what are they going to do? Give them a hug? It just doesn't quite work. Apart from that, though, it's got some great monsters. I really like the boss fights. There's boss fight scenes where, you, you know, everything kind of scatters and you, you get to have a, a good kind of Barney one of the things I have noticed is there's an awful lot of items to pick up and keep track of and one of the things, things also is the rules are in the back of the book and in the front of the book so how to play is in the front you'll pick up something that says this this item gives you the charm ability and then you'll have to stop reading, flip to the back and go, yeah, charm this is a lovely mechanic on one hand but it's too gamey if you are a casual gamer or you know, you kind of you'll want an app to manage all of this nonsense for you, which is unfortunate. Overall, the Destiny Quest series is great, and you can pick this one up without knowing any of the other Destiny Quest books. If you like gamey adventure things, this is for you. If you're not a fan of game books, or you're still just getting into game books, there's better out there. Ryan North's To Be is a, an app that you can get on your phone. That's an adventure game book, and that's actually more accessible for people who don't know the adventure game book format very well but if you are a fan of fighting fantasy and you love this sort of thing you'll absolutely adore Destiny Quest and you'll probably spend a good few evenings with some dice and a pencil reading through some absolutely cracking adventure prose. It's quite dark but it's not George R. R. Martin dark. It's quite gritty but again it's not Joe Abercrombie gritty. It's just fun. It just gets, gets to the point of being kind of uneasy and kind of oh my goodness uh, I would compare a lot of the writing style to sort of like Brandon Sanderson but in a in a more kind of high fantasy more relaxed sort of way but there is a lot of darkness there so that's Destiny Quest um, next up on the show we have an interview with a chap from Naborian Saga which will 
Camion or Adventure Game Book theme. Across the world. 24 hours a day. This is Fatboyio International. So, we were lucky enough to talk to Denise Cesar from Naborian Saga. He's developing, again, an adventure game book app, and it's the second part of his series, and um, it's, it's it's got novel elements, and it's got gamified elements. Uh, he was the developer. He he didn't write the story. He worked with people who'd written games for Dungeons & Dragons and the like to produce this this adventure game book world. So, um, coming up now, uh, Denise Cesar of the Naborian Saga. This is Fab Radio International. Danish Cesar, welcome to the Bookworm. It's uh, I'm glad to be here. Thank you for the opportunity. What is Norborian Saga? Um, Norborian Saga is a uh, mobile game book application, but first and foremost, it's a book. So we strongly believe that uh, people still like to read. They still like the story unfold uh, in front of their mind's eye and that they do not need a 3D engine to render a perfect picture uh, of a game. So uh, we decided to go on and write our own story uh, and to create an application. Uh, And besides being a book, we have a strong mission of taking tabletop role-playing to the mobile. But I think the two things uh, are connected because most of the role players love to read. Uh, there is an ongoing demand for uh, good books. Uh, thank uh, George Mart- uh, Martin and uh, Rowling for that. So uh, good fantasy books are in demand now. So uh, Narborium is an application uh, that gives you the idea of reading and uh, choosing your own path, just like the old fighting fantasy or choose your own adventure books. Of course, uh, in the 21st century, your mobile is a very strong device uh, in your hand, so uh, we need to really utilize that computing power and make a good fighting scene or uh, dexterity checks uh, alluring to players. Should we expect an expansion of the Naborian universe? Yes, you will see uh, more of the world in, uh, of the Narborian saga. So the second book is starting one or two months uh, after you have finished your first quest. And uh, you are to take to another journey, a much more dangerous, a much uh, harder journey than the previous one. Um, it's going to be even less linear than the first one. So you can skip entire scenes, you can uh, go into more villages, you can go um, into more cities, and you can get into more adventures uh, if you like. You can chat with more people. So the world will slowly unfold. We plan to release two more books this year after this one, uh, which is coming in late March. So one at the beginning of summer uh, and uh, uh, the fourth one uh, around autumn time. So the, the whole idea is to create a series of books. Uh, the initial plan is to have around 7 to 12 books which will uh, uh, follow the journey of you being a humble squire uh, to, and I'm not spoiling here, some leader uh, of the country, uh, depending of, uh, on, on your choice. So you will meet uh, lots of people. You will meet uh, lots of uh, different um, areas, cities, 
uh, lots of different countries and uh, the whole world uh, will unfold uh, slowly uh, in those books. So you will eventually see the whole world uh, of Narborium, uh, uh, of course, cut into different books or different parts uh, of a separate book. How is it different from other electronic adventure game books that are out there? The difference is mainly coming from the content being dynamic. So uh, if you make a selection at this part, so for example, if you talk to the innkeeper nicely, he will give you some information. And later on, when you are uh, faced with a particular problem, uh, that information can help you. And so a different content will be displayed uh, on the screen. As for if you are reading a book, the content is always the same. So we, uh, we, we call this the dynamic storytelling engine. So um, there are a lot of uh, things saved uh, about what your previous path in the book was. And decisions are made. Um, different content are displayed. You are met with different uh, monsters, different uh, non-player characters. Uh, different characters or non-player characters will have a different attitude uh, towards you. So what you really have to create is a uh, sort of a web. So we, we uh, visualize the book uh, when we created uh, on our wall as a, a huge graph, as a huge web. So there are post-its on our walls, which are the pages, and there are different uh, strings which connect uh, different pages to other pages. And uh, there is a label on every string, which is the uh, requirement. So if you haven't been to that particular area, then a different uh, page uh, will be displayed or the same page with a different content. And what is really hard is to take note of all of these um, different crossroads that the user can take and to write a different content uh, for the different requirements with which he's entering a page. So yeah, it's quite challenging uh, from that perspective. And it's because it's a, it's a game, so it has to be non-linear. So we don't want to tell a story. We want the user to tell his own story, meaning we have to write almost every possible uh, mutation uh, of that story, of course, within the limitations uh, of the selections we offer. But the ultimate goal is to have an extremely dynamic uh, engine, which, for example, is not limiting your, you to... Uh, to chat with a non-player character by making selections, but in my vision, in a future release, you can type your question, and uh, the system will answer uh, accordingly. So yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty challenging, like I said, because of the many mutations and the dynamic content, but uh, so far, uh, I'm pretty satisfied with what the writers are doing. So is the plan to make it as book-like as possible? Yes, that's the plan. So the plan is is that you can print your own book. So, you know, when, when you play a story from uh, A to Z, you only play a single storyline. Uh, of course, you can go back to a bookmark and make another selection. But when you get to the end of the book, it is through a single storyline. So the ultimate idea, again, is to have your story published. So like you can order it as an ebook or a, or a paperback. So, yeah, this is something we are working on, and uh, you can have your own story printed and um, on your bookshelf. Dinesh Sishar, thank you very much for coming on the Bookworm. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Ed. Take care.
Embrace the alternative. This, this is Fab Radio International. Welcome back. This is the Bookworm on Fab Radio International. I'm Nympha Hayes, and you've just listened to um, Ed's interview with Danish Cesar of the Nalborian Saga. Um, so today we're on a bit of an adventure theme. Um, and so just lately I've read a brilliant little book, a young adult, um, full of adventure. And I thought I'd um, sort of review it today for you. Um, so this is the uh, first book in the Cain Chronicles of, by Rick Riordan of Percy Jackson fame. And it's called The Red Pyramid. Um, as Percy Jackson's story was steeped in Greek mythology, the Cain Chronicles is basically Egyptian mythology. Um, however, you soon realise that it's the same world where the Percy Jackson series lives and breathes. So in another part of the world, um, there are other gods that are awakening for some reason. Um, so... The Cain Chronicles um, is narrated um, by a mysterious author who finds a recording. And this audio recording by these two kids um, who refer to themselves um, as Carter Cain and Sadie Cain, um, they're telling this fantastic story. And what if this story was true? Now, we should all be very, very scared. Which is pretty much the the warning that this this mysterious author gives you, um, and so um, Carter and Sadie um, are brother and sister, but they're very very different. Um, they were sort of separated when they were very young, and their mother died. Um, Carter spent his life um, with his dad. And Sadie was left with her maternal grandparents. They don't really get along. Um, they only see each other one day out of the whole year um, because the, the, the great-grandparents don't really like their dad for some reason, which you will definitely, definitely find out during the very first book. Um, so uh, this one day of the year... Uh, is when the story starts and um, they that Sadie's expecting her brother and her father and they get there and they go to this visit to the British Museum. Uh, but things have been really weird um, and they they get there and, 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 and then everything explodes and, and people come in there and, and they're trying to kill their dad and then all of a sudden their dad is in a, an Egyptian sort of looking tomb and, and, and the whole world is just like imploded and they have no idea what's going on. Um, but they, they sort of get kind of blamed and then they get the police on them and then their uncle comes to rescue them and then they're swept away in, in an Egyptian-looking barge through the skies uh, th to, to, to Brooklyn um, in, in the matter of, of minutes. And, and then you get this, this sort of kind of half explanation of, of, of what's going on. Um, that's, that's the best I can do. To, to sort of describe how this book kind of starts and it's it's very very action packed straight away 
Um, I mean, I was quite drawn in from the very first few pages, not only because I'm a massive mythology geek, uh, but also because the characters are really, really likeable. And I'm half in love with little Sadie Kane. She's just amazing. Um, I quite like um, what Rick Riordan does with his mythology. I really, really love how he's transported these, these dusty old gods into sort of modern times and given them a fresh coat of paint and gone yes we are still relevant you know we have still really important messages and we can still destroy your world with apocalypse so hang on the characters don't realize their potential at the start does that does that mean that they're in denial they have no idea oh oh god no i see what you did there i hope nobody else did it was a serious question no they are not in (laughs) denial Oh. Uh, are they are there any set action pieces? Stop it! <laughs> I will slap you really, really hard. Um, but it's it's it is. Um, I mean, Percy Jackson's full of action as well, and this is very much on the same vibe. You don't stop in a few days. There's a lot of things that happen, a lot of plot that is revealed. Um, why these kids? have been transported into this world and why they were kept away from it for so long. They have no idea what their parents did and who they truly are and what their family legacy is and how that all sort of gets involved. I mean, as far as the kids know, their dad is an expert in, he's an Egyptologist and he's an expert in the field and that's why he travels everywhere and and so on forth. But there's so much more. Uh, it's really full of like that mythological magic that that you really want in this sort of book so it's a young adult novel is it is it quite an an emotional journey um it can be in places i mean you you get really sucked in um and the voice is because you get the story from both both kids um kids voices you, you you sort of like get both sides of, of of the different things. I'm still gonna slap you, Edward. So, it's, so it's, it's quite raw in places, is what oh. you're saying. Oh no! Oh, producer Al, I demand you slap him. <laughs> yeah, it's impossible. <laughs> producer Al said yes. Actually, are they? Is is it full of Egyptian mythology puns, or is it more serious than that? No, no, it's, that's just your version. That's just your version in your head. Um, there's a there's a heck of a lot of, of, of mythology. It's really, really well researched. Um, he, I mean, some of the things that that he uses and, and especially the, the take on the magic side of things and etc. Um, are really, really clever. Um, I really love what he's done with hieroglyphics and how he's ent- like entrenched this power into them. Oh, so is it? Is it? Uh, this is not a pun. So is it? Is it Hikayu? Did they use the whole naming magic and the whole book of the? There is style? an element of that, definitely. Uh, there is an, an element of that. Um, there's there's almost two sides to what the 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 Kane kids are. Um, there's the magical side and there's the warrior side. There are gods that are pushing to come back into power. Uh, some of them for more noble reasons than others. Um, and I mean, the, the first adventure focuses around um, sort of getting their dad back, 
but even even throughout that book there's just so much more that gets thrown into it you, you get to see what really happened to their mom you get to see these kids that have been estranged for so many years sort of come together and accept they're all as siblings um, I kind of like what he's done with it because um, the father is a um, Afro-American um, man uh, the mother is an English woman uh, blonde, you know, pale, etc. The kids are completely different. So the boy is taken after the dad with the darker skin. The girl is completely sort of um, Caucasian, if you like. Um, and so there's the emotional barrier of people looking at them and going, oh, how do you know each other? And they're like, we're brother and sister. And I know you can't be because you don't look like each other. And I quite like what he's doing. That is quite, I quite like that, yeah. actually. I, 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 I know those feels. Yeah, I, I quite like that. And I, and, and it, it's very nice the way that he's sort of put that bar, emotional barrier between them and then you just see it start to crack and then little bits of it crumble during the first book. Very, very nicely done. Um, he's, I mean, even with the Percy Jackson series, he's always demonstrated a really great insight into what being a, a young kid is and, and then a teenager. That's sort of all the emotional turmoil that that, that brings with it. Um, and he's just done it again. Some absolutely amazing adventure. You're sucked in straight away. Fantastic characters. Brilliant world building from book one. Uh, I'm on book two now. And it's one of those that really you pick up and you just don't want to put down until you know how it ends. Definitely, definitely a big, massive recommendation from me. If you haven't read any of Rick Riordan's book, you need to pick them up. Whether you start at Percy Jackson or the Kane Chronicles, it doesn't matter, but you want to read them both. How connected to um, Percy Jackson is it? Does, does do characters from um, books turn up? Well... They don't in the actual trilogy. However, I am envisioning a third big cycle of books where both worlds are going to collide. And it's not just me. It, he's published three short novellas where the characters meet. Right, so that, that's so definitely coming. There is, come. it, it's coming and it's going to be amazing. I can't wait to see what he does with it. So who is it and who's it by again? Uh, it's the first book in the Cain Chronicles. It's called The Red Pyramid. It's by Rick Riordan and it's published by Puffin Books. the world 24 hours a day this is you international um welcome back so uh, on today's show you pretty much missed today's show but i was talking about a destiny quest the, the Eye of Winter's Fury and <laughs> I like that you do the voice every time and I was talking about the Red Pyramid the first book in the Kane Chronicles series um, I think yeah we kind of said it's sort of an adventure theme isn't it adventure um, time adventure time see I did the voice now 
Damn you. See, I've never watched Adventure Time. I just don't really understand what it's about. I don't know what it is, but... Uh, That's a tangent, anyway. I have watched Adventure Time. Actually, talking... It kind of fits in, actually, with the whole storytelling and world-building. Because the thing with... Again, the thing that... The the book that you were talking about, uh, you were saying that there's, like, layers within layers and the surprises within surprises Mm -hmm. in the world. The thing with Adventure Time is it looks like it's just a cutesy kids cartoon until you realise that it's actually a story set in a post-apocalyptic wasteland and there's all sorts of... Oh, how much story set in a post-apocalyptic wasteland? these uh, days so oh. cleverly and subtly done and you know you've got this 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 kid playing with this cartoon dog and you look in the background and there's uh, an island full of skulls and it's subtly done as slowly it builds up and it's brilliantly led and one of the things I found interesting with Destiny Quest he said bringing it back was the fact that the way he tells these stories is, as I was saying, it's a series of short stories and novellas that are just in an adventure book format. And because of that modular storytelling, you actually you get a better feel for the character and the character's motivations and your choices and your input. It's, it's like you directly translate certain bits and pieces. So you can make the prince a real coward if you want. Mm. You know, you can you can make him a real kind of scaredy cat. And even even when he gets to a point where he is the hero, it's still you know he's still flawed. And you can bring those flaws in, or you can take those flaws out, depending on your choices. Which is the unique thing that you can do with an adventure game book style format. Mm. Um, I mean, isn't that the basis of she said? Um, like, it's it's almost like saying you could make every book into an adventure book by writing fic. Yes, um, actually, that's an interesting I know, point. You, you throw fiction into there, and yeah, because at the end of the day, how many of us have read a book going, "Oh, I really wish they'd done this instead at that point," and this is really what what an adventure book is. But, uh, but I want to know what happened to that character who died on the second page. Yeah, what if they'd lived? What or or what was their real yeah. story, yeah. and what was their actual impact on the story as opposed to those pages? That's a fascinating thing with uh, the Star Wars universe is the fact that they've pretty much now written stories for almost every single person in the Star Wars universe. He says, you know, stroking the L- Lord of the Sith book that he's received. I'll, I'll be reviewing that at some point later, with Lords of the Sith, and um, probably, hopefully, by May the Fourth. I, I licked it. I want to because May the Fourth be with you. Exactly, because you know we had to mention Star Wars as that is a lot thing, and apparently it's one of those shows where we have to have as many puns as possible. No, but (laughs) just good ones, please. (laughs) I think think we've reached our pun quotient to at least the half year (laughs) in this this one show. Yeah, in this one show, absolutely. Shame on you, Fortune. So, um, uh, coming up in future shows, we will be looking at. Oh, 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 talk about that book. That book is so pretty. I want it. Uh, The Flying Adventures of Lovelace and Babbage. We'll have a talk and uh, we'll we'll get on with. Um, We'll also do Star Wars Lords of the Sith at some point. As per usual, if you will be doing a whole pile of Fox Spirit stuff as well, because we adore Fox Spirit. We've got a a bunch of stuff there. We've got Emily Nation to look at at some point. Um, I might do the the, the season nine graphic novels of Buffy the Vampire Slayer at some point as well. well we really need to at some point do some more Cameron Hurley because we did a bit of Cameron Hurley and, mm-hmm. then, and uh, we we do like Cameron Hurley. We mm-hmm. just keep not not there. Uh, but yeah, that just I mean yeah, it's, it's like it's like a never-ending world of stories out there. 
Well, there's the, the, there are many, many books in the, the Bookworm Secret Library. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, and you can get your hands on some of them if you go to a World Book Day at the Fab Cafe. That day. would be World Please Book Night. Please take our books. Please. <laughs> <laughs> yes, take lots of books home. Spread the joy around. In case you're wondering, it's because at the, in the, the, the Secret secret Bookworm uh, Thunderdome, we're having... <laughs> We're having one or two problems with time and space <laughs> as the books are starting to warp space and time. Uh, but mostly space. space. Mostly space. <laughs> I've, I've lost all my Tuesdays. Oh, due, goodness. Due, due to the time and space <laughs> alteration. Yeah, I, I lose most of my evenings nowadays to, to the, the book time alteration. Well, there was that month of Sundays that we narrowly avoided because that's <laughs> too many shows. Oh, <laughs> goodness. Goodness. But yes, so I believe next week you've got a... A, a Dale we have we'll have Rebecca Derrick on the, the show uh, next week mm-hmm. um, and I think we're about to head towards the time where we have to run away across the world 24 hours a day. This is Fab Radio International. If you enjoyed the show and you're listening to us via iTunes, please take the time to comment and subscribe and rate us. Uh, it really helps us out. Uh, we are available on fabradiointernational.com and we're also available via starburstmagazine.com. I have been your host, Ed Fortune. And I have been a rather voiceless name for Ace. The Bookworm is a truly outrageous production for Fab Radio International and Starburst Magazine. Presented by Ed Fortune and Nympha Hayes. Produced by A.L. Johnson.